When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, this is your host Christopher Rennie, and this is an episode of the Land Grant Holy Land Instant Reaction Podcast. Here, we're following up the 77 to 21 victory Ohio State had over the Toledo Rockets. Uh, 77 points is a lot of points, and today I'm joined by Justin Goba to discuss how we feel about this performance from Ohio State. Uh, just uh, get us started. How you doing today, Justin? How you feeling about that victory for the Buckeyes? I'm good. I'm good. You know, some people look at the overall record for Ohio State. I tend to look at against the spread. And now Ohio State's won. That's their first win against the spread. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, I mean, this was of all the games. I think this was one a lot of people were hesitant against the spread for whatever reason. I know Toledo uh, ranks higher when you look at any power ratings than any of the other two teams. Well, not Notre Dame, but the. Arkansas State. Uh, so uh, it was. I thought it was an effective victory. I don't think you could ever be mad when an offense scores 77 points. I think the question marks do come a little bit on the defensive side of the ball, and we can get into that here shortly. But, yeah, I just wanted to start uh, me and Jordan every week uh, who was out this week. Uh, kind of discuss how we felt at halftime, what our worries were. So – I have in my notes, uh, the offense was playing almost perfectly. Uh, I think the this was the most balanced you could have asked for with the run game and the passing game in the first half. And uh, I think our uh, Matt, one of our editors, pointed out, like, hey, this was one of the games they finally weren't just doing stuff on big plays. Like, they were long, sustained drives, finishing in the red zone. It was perfect in that regard. The receivers are getting everything they wanted, and the run game looked dynamic. So you couldn't really ask for much more from the offense in the first half. I was wondering if you had those same feelings. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was just kind of the thing of when you're Toledo, you're coming into this game – and you're kind of trying to do anything you can in the first five or ten minutes to give yourself a little bit of a chance, a little bit of a hope. And Ohio, the first drive, they just marched down the field 
And I mean, I don't know. It looked like one of the easiest scoring drives I'd ever seen. And just kind of it's that's just so demoralizing for a team like Toledo because it was eight plays, 82 yards. Like you're just trying to do anything to show yourself that you can actually play with this team, a three and out, you know, maybe a turnover if you're lucky. And they just march down the field and make it look like it was easy. So that was definitely one of the things where I think that's just kind of setting the uh, setting the tone early. And that's always fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ohio State was six for six on touchdown to total drives in the first half. And I mean, that would technically be a perfect offensive performance uh, by the numbers. I don't think you could really ask for much more uh, as a team on the defensive side, though. uh, They had a lot of trouble with Daquan Finn, who Tim Brando referred to not once, but a few times as very Patrick Mahomes like. Uh, So to get into that a little bit further, I, I was actually really impressed with Daquan Finn. I think from a player coming in, knowing what he's going to have to do to even give his team a chance to win. Uh, Daquan Finn did everything he could. Uh, I think the percentage of total offense he had was incredibly high for Toledo and he gave Ohio state a lot of issues and the pass rush just was not very disciplined tonight. And Daquan Finn took advantage of that. And I think that's something that we're going to take a big look at moving forward. I, with like quarterbacks like Talia Tagovailoa on the schedule, Sean Clifford could run a little bit. JJ McCarthy could run a little bit. So I, I think that raised my eyebrows a little bit. Anything on the defensive side of the football that kind of raised your eyebrows at all? Yeah, uh, Tim Brando was. Yeah, he was interesting. I don't know how. There's some. There's some really great guys out there that can call games, and he's just simply not one of them. Uh, he compared him at one point, like you said. I, I heard Mahomes. Uh, the Johnny Manziel comparison was fun. The Tim Tebow comparison I heard was fun. So that was. I was. Uh, if it was up to him, Daquan Finn's winning the yeah. Heisman. Um, if you were, I, if you were taking notes, Daquan <laughs> Finn is the greatest college football quarterback of all time. I mean, yeah, he has. He has to be if he's those three wrapped up into one. Um, yeah, Daquan Finn is the good part about him is I think, or at least from an Ohio State standpoint, you're not going to face a guy who is that athletic again. Like he's, I mean, Clifford can run. Probably JJ McCarthy is the one on the schedule that like the most athletic of those guys. But Finn is kind of on another level in terms of how he can run the ball. And um, somebody mentioned it. He was he's Toledo's leading rusher. Uh, he, he's a good passer of the football, but he's a little bit inconsistent. And I think I think we saw that tonight. He made a couple of good passes, made a couple of bad ones, but um. In general, I think playing these kind of quarterbacks help. You know, I, I don't think they played poorly. I think there's times where they got a little maybe overzealous is the word, maybe just a little bit over attacked. And then you let a guy like that get kind of get get outside of the, the hashes and get outside the tackle box. And that's where he's at his best. So um, that touchdown that Denzel Burke kind of got, uh, I guess you just say outplayed on is a good example because Gene Baptiste kind of had him. And just kind of got a little, I think he kind of forgot who he was chasing for a second. And then you let Finn get outside of it. You let Finn get outside and, you know, that just, he can make plays happen. That was the play that Brando referred to him as Johnny Manziel. But, um, you know, he's he's a good player. He's a, I'm a Mac guy. You know, I went to Kent. I follow the Mac very heavily. This game made me very worried about Toledo at Kent State uh, because those are probably the two best teams in the Mac. And I think Finn might have 600 yards on that defense. So, you know, I think there were, there were the secondary is definitely a worry. I mean, Cam Brown got toasted. Denzel Burke just got out jumped on a play. You know, it's, these kind of things can't happen against the Ronnie Bells of the world. The you know the really good receivers that they're going to face. But um, 
I'm just in a game where it's 77 to 21. Maybe this is just like my inner optimist. I don't really know. It's hard for me to take too much away from it in terms of that. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's tricky. Maryland has a the Maryland game will be very interesting to me because Maryland is not great, but they have a very good receiving core and a very good quarterback, and I think that could really be interesting against this defense. Yeah, and I think you you bring up the corners. That's kind of what I wanted to get into, and I, I think we could just start talking about the more overarching takeaways from this game. Uh, the quarterbacks, you know, last year Denzel Burke was very good. Uh, Cam Brown's always been a consistent corner. And I think there's two major concerns with the position. The first being the health. I think just Cam Brown getting banged up, uh, you know, Jordan Hancock not being available and you kind of having to rely on J.K. Johnson, who didn't have a lot of camp experience last year or any game experience last year because he was coming back from an injury. So health is the first concern. The second concern is the quarterbacks just aren't really doing anything very well right now I think they make a few plays here and there I think they're in good coverage a lot and this is definitely one of the positions where your worst uh, plays get amplified because you're on an island they're usually big plays when you make a mistake as a corner so that is something else on it and in a game where it's 77 to 21 and you're probably the only group that's making game-changing potentially mistakes it's going to be very magnified but there's not a strength you can find in the corners right now. And they're just not playing with a lot of confidence. And I think that's something that concerns me. And I don't know if it's kind of that health question. I don't know if it's the extra snaps are probably going to, they're having to play in practice because of that. And there might be some fatigue. Uh, There's just a lot that kind of goes into this cornerback room. That's just not working. And on top of that, Jim Knowles plays an incredibly aggressive defense. So they're going to be on an Island more. So uh, just kind of, I think that's my biggest question mark for this team as of now moving forward. Uh, Good news is they have Wisconsin next, and they're not really known for their receivers and downfield passing attacks. So you've got a couple games to get right before we see a real passing attack. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's there was a play earlier in the game. Denzel Burke made a nice kind of a pass breakup, or was just playing good coverage, and he was really amped up after it. And I think that's just one of those things where, like, if he was playing normal football, like how he'd been playing last year, I don't think that's just something he just does and just walks away. But I think because he's been struggling so much, that's just kind of a little bit of his comp, hopefully getting a little bit of confidence back. Obviously, the big play in the second half is going to hurt that confidence. But, I mean, you're right. They don't really play another good passing attack. I'd, and good is arguable until Michigan State. Um, and the way they played today, I don't know if that's even – a good passing attack. So, you know, it's, it's not, it's kind of tricky because, you know, they might not get incredibly tested. I do think Toledo's is a better offense than they might get a little bit of credit for. Cause a lot of the conversation coming into this game was like, Toledo's got a really good defense. Can they maybe slow down Ohio state? Obviously not. Um, they were just outmatched the whole game and in, in that regard, but um, it will be interesting to see kind of if, you know, if they get a little bit healthier, if Denzel Burke maybe gets his swagger back a little bit, you know, all you need is a couple of good plays. Cornerback is you see they talk the most, they have the most confidence. You know, you guys like Darrell Revis and Richard Sherman, these guys, they always have the utmost confidence. Jalen Ramsey because they know they have to because, like you said, one 
one wrong move, one wrong step, and it's a 70-yard touchdown they just gave up. And it's it's tough because it always gets amplified. And, like, you know, I think Burke, he made some good plays today, but those plays aren't the ones that get amplified because they're just incomplete passes. The big ones are when, when you get beat, like Cam Brown got beat, that's a 60-yard touchdown over the top. You know, that's – it's just tricky because it's kind of like – a little bit like field goal kicking. Like, no one's going to give the kicker credit for the 30-yard make, but God forbid he misses the 30-yard at the buzzer, you know. It's kind of that kind of it's kind of like that. So I'm I'm curious to see how they play. I still have a lot of faith in this in this unit. I mean, we saw Denzel Burke play last year. Like we all watched it. He has it. It's there. He's a freshman all American. Yeah, I don't think you forgot how to play football. You know, I think he's just off to a slow start. And Cam Brown's interesting because I mean he made a great play right before the play he got toasted. And then he left with an injury. Maybe he came in a little banged up. I don't know. Honestly didn't pay an incredible amount of attention to him. Uh, over the past two games, so you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's something going on there, uh, but yeah. And then you, unfortunately, you put a guy like J.K. Johnson in who just hasn't got the reps, and then he he got burnt on a play. It was just unfortunately the ball, or unfortunately for Toledo, the ball was a step too far. So, you know, and you look, J.K. Johnson getting these reps is probably a good thing for the future, you know, because you do, you probably will need him. You know, I mean, a game like today, I know Sonny Styles got in late and he made a couple of nice plays. You know, you kind of got to get all these guys in the secondary, the corners, the safeties. They all have to get some playing time. And I know, you know, today's tough. You're down McAllister. You're down Josh Proctor. You're down Jordan Hancock. You know, you start to get really thin in that area. And when you play a quarterback like Daquan Finn, who is that dynamic, who is that explosive at times, you know, a big player too might be bound to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Jim Knowles put it in like put great perspective on the cornerback position last week and kind of went in uh not really a ramp, but was kind of saying the fact that 99 99.99% of human beings can't even fathom playing the cornerback position is pretty right. much it's, it's insane, the idea man. he was saying and it's an incredibly difficult position that gets it's hard. I mean, it's not something anyone can do. So uh, I, I'm with you. I, I have confidence this group will get it figured out. I think the you get healthy, then you get back into finding your fundamentals. And I think you could go a long way from there. Uh, let's. I think. It, I think we can move to some more positive notes here. Uh, C.J. Stroud and the receivers. That first half performance and into the second half, they were near perfect. I, I don't think you could have asked for a better performance from that group going into conference play. Stroud finished the game 22 for 27, 367 yards, five touchdowns. To get some of the receiver stats, Emeka Ibuka, seven catches, 116 yards, a touchdown. Two touchdowns on the day. He had a little bit, of, he had a rushing touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr., 100 yards, two touchdowns. Jaden Ballard, four catchers, 113 yards, one touchdown, mop-up duty, but still you want that from those guys in those moments to make those plays. The Julian Fleming in his first appearance of the year, three catches, two incredibly tough catches, two touchdowns. Uh, it was it was a good day for this unit. It was a good day for Stroud, and I think this is kind of the performance you hadn't seen yet from the passing attack just because of the injuries, the people coming in and out. But this is – this is exactly what you want to see going into Wisconsin next week, a very disciplined defense. Like you picked apart Toledo and I know they played LIU and I believe it was UMass and had like a top five defense in the country. That's not real stats, but they showed their disciplined defense and CJ Stroud and the receivers just had their way with them. Yeah. I, I want so, them to, 
I was gonna. I just want them to flash that graphic again before the game started. They said the Toledo was averaging giving the defense giving up five points per game. I'm assuming that went up um, after this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I forgot to mention Kyle McCord got to cook a little bit. So I, I want to give him credit because uh, his first appearance wasn't as sharp, and they just kind of handled the ball off. So it was good to see him out there. But yeah, I, I think. The receivers, this is exactly what people were saying when you came into the offseason. You're like, man, they've got Jackson Smith and Jigba back. You've got Marvin Harrison Jr. coming in after a huge Rose Bowl performance. You've got Emeka Ibuka, who had a huge game against Akron last year, looked ready to play then. And then you had Julian Fleming, who any time was talked about. Everyone was just talking about how special Fleming could be. And I, I just like – it just makes you feel good, and I don't think there's anything more impressive that they could have done. No, no, there's not. I did, I did see that. I've seen the take floated around a little bit on Twitter of like, "Oh man, like I don't even know if CJ Stroud's that good. These receivers are incredible." Let's we got to put that to rest. I mean, this dude is making, he's putting these balls in some windows that just aren't there. I mean, these they're, I mean, yeah. the receivers are amazing. Don't get me wrong, and they, they get separation, they make catches, but. Some of the passes, he, I, that was my favorite, I think, Brando moment, was he dropped that ball into, uh, I think it was Harrison, and they kept talking about how the safety jumped early and that should have been a pick. And then they show the replay, and when the ball's going over his fingers, he's at his high point. It's like, what do you, like, come on, what are we on? Like, yeah. It's just a great pass. Like, he just put the ball, he put that baby in a basket. You know, like, the, sometimes did. you just do that. And that's, I mean, it's he's fun to watch. I, it's like, it looks effortless at times. Uh, I know people want him to run more. I, I, I couldn't care less personally. I mean, it's, it's, he's fun to watch the football. It's just fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think people fully comprehend how hard some of those, like, 25-yard in routes they're throwing are, those, like, 18-yard yeah. outs. like, And C.J. Stroud's putting those balls on the money at all three levels of the field. He's throwing with touch. He's throwing with velocity. Like, there's a reason this guy is a highly touted NFL prospect. And I think this game – you know, I don't think Toledo is going to be the toughest secondary Ohio State sees this year, but I can tell you when you put this tape on and you watch C.J. Stroud, you're going to see every single throw you want an NFL quarterback to make. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I guess, you know, I first of all, with games coming up, I mean, Wisconsin has a pretty good defense, so we'll see. You know, I think that might be a good test a little bit. Then they got Rutgers and Michigan State. Both secondaries are horrendous. So, you know, I mean, he's he like there's a midway through the season. His stats could look pretty silly because uh, they already are starting to. And I mean, he just he kind of keeps just like just whenever your quarterback is playing that game of, well, I have more incompletions or touchdowns. You're probably playing a pretty good game. And he played oh, that absolutely. game today. He had five of both. So, and it was funny, you know, the first incompletion was Kate Stover wide open in the end zone. I think it was just too easy for him. He likes a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah, both him and Cade Stover, because like I tweeted, Cade Stover might be the best athlete in the world. Oh, it's un- it's unbelievable. It's it's fun to it was nice. It's nice to see him get some play too, because obviously, you know, I think most fans would agree that they didn't get the most out of Jeremy Ruckert at times. So it was nice to see yeah. Cade Stover take over and kind of. I mean, he made. I think it was. I think it was an out route to the corner, but. It was one of the best passes Stroud made all game. It's also one of the best catches all game, and that was Stover. Yeah, on the sideline um, there. Yeah, so it's just like those kinds of things. They're not the ones that are going to get the attention because it wasn't a touchdown. 
not even positive it was a first down pass. But when you look at it, you're like, how did he make that throw and how did he make that catch? And then you got, I mean, Marvin Harrison's just putting four feet in bounds. And I, that was the, the the first touchdown when he, I was like, oh, he got pushed. I was like, oh, it's great play by defensive back, you know, rode him out of bounds. And then you watch it again. You're like, holy God, oh my God, he got two feet in bounds. Like it's, he is of absolute freaking nature. And I, he's, I, he's got thir- he's got every single NFL scout just waiting to see when he's going to go and um, assuming it's going to be pretty high in the NFL draft whenever he does go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's let's go back to the defense here. Uh, we'll go defense, offense, defense, offense. Because uh, I want to talk about the receivers in maybe not more in depth. I want to talk about the receivers and running backs after this. But defensively, uh, one more kind of – it's not really a negative. I just think this is something they really need to build on. Uh, the pass rush was very much into Quan Finn's face. And we talked about the dynamic athlete that Finn can be and is. And, man, that pass rush was always right there. And whether they didn't break down, whether they didn't, you know – contain him and they kind of let him get out like they just they, the next step for that group is just learning how to finish and if they could do that this defense is going to be absolutely scary and before we get into it i, I think we need to highlight like jack sawyer jt tuomaleu they played a lot last year but this is their first this is their first three games as a starter this is the first three games they've been relied on to be the guys and i think they're doing a fine job for that i think you want to see them continue to grow. I, I think the older guys are doing a good job, but I think as a unit, they just need to come together and start getting some sacks. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if the word is like over pursuit. It might be just kind of what they're doing They're Like you said, they're getting in the backfield. They're just not, they're just not finishing. And I think, you know, when you have a guy like Daquan Finn, it gets a little bit amplified because when he gets outside of the tackle box and outside the hashes, he's so good. It's, I mean, it's where he's at his best. When you have a guy like, I don't know, Graham Mertz, let's say when they play Wisconsin, it's probably not going to be amplified as much because he's just not that good. But, um, you know, it, they definitely do need, there was a couple of times where they were just like a fingertip away from a sack um, or just a little bit, maybe one a little bit too, uh, hungry, hungry. I guess would say to get the sack and not really focusing on finishing it. A lot of that can be attributed to youth too. You know, you have a guy like JTT and Sawyer who they haven't played that much, so they're trying to kind of make their mark early and whatnot. And you know, they played well, but um, yeah, definitely because those plays, like like you said, you, you know, Gene Baptist Baptiste. I don't even know how to say his name, but he he misses a sack by an inch, and then it turns into a touchdown. So you know, those yeah. things can, those things can happen, and. Um, you know, in a game where it's 77-21, does that matter? No. But in a close game where that's J.J. McCarthy all of a sudden, and that's Michigan, that's a different story. And that's where you need to have that execution. That's I think that's where I'm kind of at with – I don't overreact because it's September. You know, if this is happening in November and December when you're playing J.J. McCarthy and hopefully Bryce Young, that's where the problem lies. So I think I'm just assuming they'll get a little bit better if they don't come October and maybe Sean Clifford's doing this to them. And that's where I think you can start to maybe press the panic button a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I I do think, you know, we as a collective need to remember that Jim Knowles is in his first year. This is his third game calling the defense. And, you know, I think we all learned that Notre Dame's offense probably wasn't the best offense to be the first measuring stick. But 
there is going to be some growing pains with this new scheme, this new structure. And regardless of how it ends up working out, I think you can expect marked improvement throughout the season because they'll get more comfortable in the scheme. They'll understand their role a little bit better and that'll help them grow a little bit. Yeah, I love that the Notre Dame game at this point is that we went from like, man, this defense looks great to like, I, I don't know what this Notre Dame team is. The, it, the, maybe this offense is it's better. turning into, oh, I 100%. I, you put Toledo Notre Dame on the field right now. I think Toledo beats them. Uh, Notre Dame has just looked horrible. It's turning into like a black mark somehow on the schedule instead of like what we thought might help the strength of schedule. Um, that's, yeah, I don't know what that team is, is becoming, but shout out to them today. They beat California on the last play of the game. About time. um, Hey, wind column for Marcus Freeman. That's that was the hilarious part. Watch. I don't want to get off topic on this, but watching the post game interview with him, he didn't even look happy. It was his first win. He just looked relieved. Like he knows if they lost that game, he probably would have got ran out of town. So that was tough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's 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 just one of those things where I think when you have when you. Like I said, playing a guy like Daquan Finn, ultimately, he, like he might get you on a couple plays, but it will help you in the future because I, I can't foresee a, a player they play. They're going to play better passers, but they're not going to face anybody that athletic, that much of a dual threat. J.J. McCarthy can run. Sean Clifford can run, but they're not that athletic and they're not that good at it. So um, I do think at the end of the day, you know, you, you watch the tape on Monday, you point out, okay, this is where – you, you know, you point out the issues you have. And then when you do play your Cliffords, your Tagovailoa's, your your McCarthy's of the world, hopefully you have those things kind of more nailed down because they weren't really tested the first two games. I like Justin Blackman, but there's a reason he went from Florida State to Arkansas State. And um, Tyler Buckner is just, I don't I don't want to yeah. say anything because he's, he's hurt, but he wasn't that great. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, Daquan Finn was by far the most effective quarterback we've played to this point. So that is something to also add to this. And I I think, you know, I said this on Buck Off on Friday, you know, a Mac champion is probably in that top 25 to top 35 team range, like maybe 25 to 45, depending on the strength of the Mac on a year to year basis. So if Toledo is as good as people are projecting him to be now, uh, that could be, a team where you're like, man, you know, they might not be like one of the marquee victories on Ohio State schedule, but they'll be one that the team might look back on and say, hey, we grew a lot in this game and we beat a conference champion because to be a conference champion in any league, you have to be well coached and you have to be talented. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you look at, again, I mean, a team like like at Kent State, they just I mean, last week they had Oklahoma at seven to three at the half. You know, these Mac schools that are really good are good enough to hang for a little bit. Um, the fact that honestly they had Toledo kind of in the blender the whole game, I wouldn't say Toledo was ever in the game, is actually pretty impressive. I thought it would good I thought it was gonna be forty nine to twenty one was my prediction for the game. So I got Toledo right. But I thought it was gonna be like twenty four to fourteen at the half, kind of like you know some people maybe sweating a little bit. Um, I yeah. didn't think they were gonna come out here and, and this offense was gonna look like they did against obviously I know the offense is very good, but I thought Toledo would have a couple answers for him. They had abs- I mean Dallin Hayden, I had to look up who was their third string running back coming into the game because prior was hurt. I forgot who it was and he just ran for 120 yards. It was just it was just pick and play who you wanted to put in the offense. like you said, Kyle McCord looked like 
that was the only good thing Tim Brando said all day was a five-star making a five-star throw uh, when he made the one pass to Ballard. Ballard had 115 yards. Like, I would love to see Jaden Ballard play more. I just don't – like, what do you do? Yeah. Like, the situation it's just the, where he does. Yeah, it's just an embarrassment of riches. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people made the joke of like, well, as long as the defense doesn't give up 45 you know, or just gives up 45, the offense will score 50. And I, that was a joke at the time, but looking at it, I, you know, outside of the first half against Notre Dame, where you know JSN gets hurt, you still do have as good as Harrison and Egbuka are. That's still their first game actually starting and stuff. You know, outside of that first half where they looked a little out of sync, this I mean they've been clicking all cylinders since then. Uh, the next uh, thing I want to talk about is that running back room. Um, and kind of the receivers in a bunch. I think the skill position players all kind of mesh together, especially in a game where you score 77 points. But Mayan Williams, 10 carries, 77 yards, didn't play in the second half all that much. Uh, Dallin Hayden was incredibly impressive. He got real snaps in the first half, and I think a lot of people weren't surprised about that once they heard Travion Henderson got out and Ohio State was up a decent amount at the time, but he had a 45-yard run, 108 yards, 17 carries, one touchdown. That's a heck of a first performance, and I think there's a lot of players, a lot of running backs especially, that you could go back on, and they had a big performance in mop-up duty against a MAC team, and I think Down Hayden looked explosive. He looked physical. He looked strong. There wasn't much you could do to stop him. Uh, I think you said it in the Slack chat we have. TC Caffey, one of the most incredible touchdown runs I've seen. And you said Toledo recruited him. So insult to injury. So the running back room with Williams, Henderson was very good until he kind of took a shot early. And they took him out precautionary. I think that was very clear. And then Mayan was great. So just four running backs, four great jobs. Caden Saunders came in, iced the game, ran the clock out, did what he did. That's two walk-ons getting getting it done. So I, I just think you could take away this running back. The running game from here to last year has been improved in so many ways, and that's exciting for me. Yeah, it was – I. Last year when I was covering, I cover high school uh, football around Northeast Ohio, and I covered TC one time at Hubbard, and at that game Toledo was there, so it was kind of funny to kind of see him do this to them, you know, that run because I know they wanted him pretty bad. Um, and the MAC comes into the Ohio, or MAC, all the MAC schools come into like Ohio for running backs a lot, um, so that's pretty common. But it was, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, did they say? Anything about I, – I, I might have missed it about Trayvon Henderson's – I know they called him Trayvon a couple times, which was just lazy, but um, yeah. that's just – oh, yeah. my God. That's Steve Brando. Brando. You, you said Trayvon. Like, now you're just, you're just shortening his name. Like You, you know what it is. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's um, borderline. Uh, we, we won't get into that, but that's borderline <sighs> offensive. Uh, uh, 100% because you know his name. Um, did they say what his injury – where he was, or did they just say he was out? Uh yeah, uh, they, it was uh, – where was it? Travion Henderson, nothing serious. That's what Patrick Murphy tweeted of okay. Buck Nuts. He said, if you guys have some issues, Travion Henderson, Camp Brown, but nothing serious. Yeah, I did see at the end he was kind of laughing and joking with some people, so it, it didn't seem like he was – you know, normally guys get hurt, they seem to be upset about it. So it was – I think it was more probably just a precaution. I mean, when you do have a third string who was your fourth string coming into the season – 
who can run for 130 yards. You probably don't have to force your your starter out there in a in a, in a game where you're up by 50. So that makes sense. But yeah, it's again, it's the the running back room is the same thing as receiver room. It's just embarrassment of riches. There are so many guys, and I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I know Dallin Hayden was like a four star, but he wasn't a top 100 or even 200 guy, was he? I mean, it's so I to see he was in the low 200s, yeah. Or the high 200, I guess. Which, don't get me wrong, still obviously very, very good. But I think you expect these five stars and these top 50 guys to come in and play well right away. But when you see a guy like that who was kind of a lower four star come in and, I mean, he looked – I was very happy when he got the touchdown because he he definitely earned it. But he kept getting kind of bunched up in the the red zone. And I was like, man, this dude's going to run for 150 yards and not score. But uh, he finally did get in and – Kind of like Julian Fleming. I mean, it can bring a tear to your eye seeing Julian Fleming score and be happy with what he's kind of gone through. I mean, I've, I, it's hard to remember that he came in with JSN and he was the higher ranked recruit. Um, so yeah, it's number it's two awesome player in the country. Yeah, so it's, it's awesome to see him get. I think he only had the two catches for the two touchdowns, but that's efficiency. Yeah, I mean, hey, if he wants to come in and catch a touchdown every once in a while, I will not complain about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Last thing, uh, I, I just think we just, as a podcast here, we just need to appreciate these receivers and what Brian Hartline does more. I know we yeah, do a lot, but it's just, it's un, it's ungodly at this point. Yeah, I All don't right. know. That it's it's just, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I, I, like, I don't even know where to go from here with it. Like, no, there, we've there's seen, been yeah. limited drop off and we had two of the greatest in school history just leave. Yeah, I, that's all there's to say, really. It's just incredible. And, you know, I think it's it's kind of hard for me to even fathom that because I was one of the people when Olave and Wilson let, you know, they're gone and people were like, oh, there's going to be no drop off. I was like, there's going to be something. I mean, you can't lose two top 10. Basically, I think they went 11 to 12 to the, to the NFL draft and have nothing happen. And somehow there really hasn't been a drop off. So it's it's fun to watch. And um I feel bad for any defensive coordinators trying to plan for this team. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to build on this excitement, uh, we'll do our favorite moment segment. Uh, I've got a few listed uh, here. I, I had Cade Silver becoming Ohio State's greatest tight end ever. You know, just that wheel route he's ran. That's happened two games in a row. He's had that nice wheel route up behind the two receivers just clearing out for him. Stroud's hit him both times. Uh, then you have his sideline catch. That's the second week in a row he's done that. So Cade Stover's got a legitimate game plan for him. He's going to make an incredible catch running up the sideline. He's going to make an incredible sideline catch. He's going to get one in the red zone that's not going to be a touchdown, and then he's probably going to miss the perfect easy one. Uh, so I think his plan's working. I think he could get to 35, 40 catches this year. And that is something I was not projecting going. And I thought Kate Silver might have 10 to 15 catches. Yeah, he looked awesome. Um, I definitely, I kind of already said it, but Julian Fleming just being able to score was definitely cool to watch and um, kind of seeing how excited that he was and, how excited it seemed other people was for him was 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 pretty cool. I also meant to mention, I think the Toledo defensive coordinator a couple of days ago, I think it was him. I don't think it was Candle. I think it was a defensive coordinator that had maybe my favorite quote of, of the season so far. He said the watching Ohio State's offense and film makes him sick to his stomach. Um, and they proved it. They scored 77 on him. So, yeah, I mean, that's just not to put it out there. That's loser mentality. You can't say that publicly. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> 
Uh, next one on the list, I have Marvin Harrison's insane toe tap catch. Like, he had some incredible catches tonight, but getting two feet down on that one where he was getting shoved out of bounds, like getting one foot in for most people would be luck. And Marvin Harrison had a toe drag there. Like that's how you know it wasn't like, oh man, this guy luckily got two feet down. No, this he he got two feet down. Period. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'd probably say Dallin Hayden scoring. You know, it's always nice to see a guy get his first. Uh, I think that was his first. That was his first touchdown, right? Yeah. So you know, seeing him, and you don't know how much he, how many reps he's going to get this season in general, because obviously Henderson and mine like his performance doesn't bolt him up to number one on the depth chart. Is still he's still third there. So, and then even next year when you have Evan Pryor back and healthy, you just don't know how much time these guys are actually going to get. Um, not yeah. because they're not talented, but just because there's again an embarrassment of riches. Um, so it was nice to see you know him get some run with there's kind of a perfect storm but for him of Henderson getting banged up and then uh, being able to run away with it you know normally where Mayan Williams probably be the backup to come in there now Mayan Williams was a starter so he was the backup to come in so um, that was cool to see him get that touchdown. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got a few more here. I have Julian Fleming scoring. We talked about it a little bit. Injuries, you know, plagued him. He's always supposed to be. He's been. He's supposed to be a contributor. He's been supposed to be a contributor since he showed up and he's just been battling the injury bug since he got here so seeing him finally get on the field you know three games into the season it, it was nice to see him get in the end zone twice yeah and then um i would probably i'll probably wrap mine up with um just seeing the first interception of the season you know, I, yeah, I think Ronnie's. the defense is, yeah, I think that I, I think the defense has played well and I in general there's obviously been some mistakes at times, but I think in general they played well and but, you know, through two and a half games cuz that was the second half pick, no inter, no turnovers was kind of a tough look. Um so it was nice to see that finally, which the offense hasn't had turnover either, right? So they had they were just 0 to 0 on the turnover column. On the ratio, yeah, incredibly weird, honestly. Yeah, very weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was big, and it was, I it was nice because you know there's some of those junky interceptions where it gets tipped up a bunch of times, or like the receiver <laughs> gets hit and it gets tipped up and you pick it off. But that was just Ronnie Hickman playing his zone, using his eyes, and making a play on the ball when the quarterback threw it, and that's that's kind of, I'm glad it was one of those plays where it was fundamental. Yeah. Yeah, it feels a little more rewarding. I agree. All right. Yeah, I've got three more, uh, all small ones. Jack Sawyer and Tyleek Williams both had a cop body bags today, like out in space. There were running backs or receivers who had the football just to not have their head on a swivel enough. And those two guys came down the line and just absolutely cleaned up two kids. Uh, Jack right before half. And Tyleek sometime in the third quarter, the running back was kind of getting out in space after a check down. And I just said, man, I'm sending a prayer for that kid because not great. And then the last one I have, T.C. Caffey, uh, his touchdown. Uh, I, I don't know how that's not everybody's favorite moment, if we're being honest. Like, I don't think anyone – that play was like dead to rights, especially if you're following the camera. And he broke a tackle, shifted out, and then there was nothing but grass in front of him. And then he broke two more tackles to get in the end zone. It felt like – uh, the reincarnation of Marshawn Lynch's beast mode play against New mm-hmm. Orleans Saints. 
Yeah, it was fun to watch. There's no doubt about that. And it's cool to see, you know, a guy like, you know, a walk on and stuff. I, now everybody's going to be kind of championing for him to get a scholarship and uh, he probably will. So very cool to see. Very cool. Because I think people, it's hard to imagine like a guy like that would even be a walk on. But again, a lot of talent. Yeah, absolutely. And then players of the game, I've got CJ Stroud. I think. The way he commanded the offense, the way he just kind of did everything, it's kind of the easy way out. But I felt like his confidence, his effortlessness was just the – it was reflected in everybody else today. So I think it really started at the top with the quarterback and then everything else just came with it. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like giving Nick Saban coach of the year. Like it's you know it's it's easy way out, but it's probably true. Um, Just like you said with C.J. Stroud, I I think there's – Something to be said, and I don't have any evidence to back this up, but it just feels easy. Like he doesn't look like he's even really sweating. It doesn't look like he's putting. He doesn't look like he's nervous back there. I will say this: I was obvi- I was never on the train of like sit CJ Stroud, but last year he the first well, two or three. I guess he sat the third game. The first two games he do- he did look a little more a lot, lot a lot more hesitant, a lot more like kind of trying to place balls. Now he's just letting that thing fly. He's got a lot more confidence, obviously, because he's played a whole season. And um, I this is a guy who can truly, as like I said, as long as the defense can figure out a little bit, uh, this is a guy who can absolutely lead you to a national championship. And absolutely, I mean, there's just there's a lot of Justin Fields in him, even with the way he kind of kind of carries himself. He carries himself with a lot of confidence. He know, he thinks he can make every throw possible. Um, and so far, he's. <laughs> Made 98% of them. So I'm going to let him just let that thing rip and we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that. I think it was the easy way out. But, I mean, he does make everything look incredibly easy and effortless. Defensively, I gave it to Javante Jean-Baptiste. Two sacks. One was a forced fumble that caused the second turnover of the game. A big reason Ohio State got to 77 points. And I I just think, you know, when you're a guy in his shoes where he's a fifth year guy uh, playing those late those late game minutes, that's like you could take that two directions. You could take it as a punishment and just kind of sulk in it or you could go and make some plays and say like, hey, man, I need to be playing those first half snaps that I've been playing my whole career. And I need to I know I need to earn it. And I'm going to show you that I can do it. And I think that's what he did. So I just wanted to pay him the respects this week because I felt like. His performance is reflective in this new defensive culture where even if you're an older player, even if you are, you expect probably more from where you're at. Like you go out and play when you can. And that was senior leadership that you wanted to see. Yeah, I'm probably going to take, I guess this is probably the easy way out as well. But I do want to, I'll say Hickman just for the first interception. I just like interceptions. I think that's just yeah, a thing. I, of, I think that's just a thing of mine. They're just fun, and he's a really fun. I mean, he when he gets flying around out there, he's a fun dude to watch. So I'd say, yeah, Hickman. he had one play Hickman did where he was on the opposite hash of Finn, and Finn was kind of drifting out, and I knew he was going to take off. And then yep. watching Hickman close out, I, I finally fully understood why they gave him the name the Rocket Ronnie the Rocket Hickman. Yeah. So he flew across and turned what I thought was going to be like a 10, 15 yard game into a four or five yard gain. And that's, that's what you want from a free safety. The number one awareness and number two, the ability to get out there. 
Yeah, I, I, I remember the exact play you're talking about because it was funny. Finn obviously knew he was going to take off too, and I think he he was starting to run, and then all of a sudden he kind of took a beeline towards the, the sideline because he saw Hickman was coming in, like, for lack of a better word, a rocket. And I don't think he yeah. wanted to get, get take that hit for no reason, so he kind of took off and you know, smartly got to the sideline because when you're coming in that fast, you're going to lay something down. So. Absolutely. All right, let's run through the injuries and uh, suspensions, etc. Here, uh, we've got uh, Cam Brown was banged up, Travion Henderson banged up, Mike Hall, Josh Proctor, and Tanner McAllister were held out of this game. So five players who are all legitimate contributors banged up, with Jordan Hancock still out as well. That's not something you like, especially with them kind of being added up in multiple position groups. So you've got your safeties uh, and your corners just kind of really taking the brunt of it. I think the safety position can afford it a little bit more, which is kind of what Ryan Day said. The corner position is thin, and that's the biggest probably concern on that side of the ball right now. Yeah, agreed. This team just has to get – this defense has to get healthy, and I think we'll get a little more – I guess a good feeling of where they're at when they're, when they do get healthy, at least the secondary, but I've been very impressed with the front seven. I think a lot of people questioned the big thing last year was the physicality of the team and kind of, you know, what, how, how hard they play. And I don't think it's hard to question that right now because they, the front seven looks great. The offense looks great. It's just that back four that I think if they can get right, then this team, there's no reason to believe they're not the best team in the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Georgia's uh, doing stuff that I wasn't expecting, but I think Ohio State should be right up there with them if they keep cleaning it up. Uh, Last thing on the list, what's next for Ohio State? They take on Wisconsin at home September 24th, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Another night game for you fans, so be there, be loud, show up, have some fun. Uh, You know, enjoy the day responsibly and – uh, any any predictions for that game? Uh, I'm going to make two predictions here because uh, since we're talking about Georgia, first of all, Ohio State wins. I'll say forty-one to fourteen. That's uh, pretty yeah. high, but I'll, I'll go with it. I'll stick with it. Um, I also think Kent State will beat Georgia next week. I mean, yeah. I respect it. So uh, I don't that's actually a, that's a that, call. But- I can hey. I, I can make that prediction because either it doesn't happen, I can say I was joking, or it does happen and I look like a genius. It's a win-win. Yeah, I mean, as as an alum, you gotta you gotta put your money where your school is, and that's exactly. I respect it. Uh, I don't have any predictions for Wisconsin next week. Uh, they're a Jekyll and Hyde sort of team, so I don't even know what we're gonna get from Wisconsin next week. Yeah. I just know Braylon Allen might be good. He might not be. Uh, very similar to. I, I honestly could see this game going very similarly to how the Michigan State game went last year where everyone's hyping up the physicality, the run game, and Ohio State's just too much. And I think – I don't think I, – I think Ryan Day emptied the clip today. So I, I think we're we're seeing what he believes this offense can be. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's just – Wisconsin, is, they just – they do this thing where they have a great running back and terrible everything else. So, I mean, if you can't do really anything with Jonathan Taylor – Sorry, I'm not going to expect you to do much with Dylan Allen. It's just kind of how that works. He's a great player, no doubt, but you got to be two-dimensional in this world, and they're just not. 
They're not, and I don't believe in Graham Burks. Uh, but that's next week. This is the instant recap. Uh, no final thoughts for me. I think we hashed everything out. Uh, where can we find you on social media, Justin? Uh, yeah, I'm at Justin underscore Golba. Uh, you can find me there. You can also find us. Uh, I host the uh, I co-host our basketball podcast with Connor Lamans. Uh, you can find us at Bucketheads LGHL if you if you're fixing for a little basketball before to uh, help out with your football stuff. Obviously, some big news coming in that regard. Uh, uh, we'll we'll let you guys and Jardy handle that. So uh, you guys can find me at Chris Rennie CFB, and then you can find. Uh, me all over the land grant holy land feed writing film reviews and in the buck off podcast so with that this is christopher rennie and for justin goba we are signing out on this week's instant recap show